What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foam pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Well, hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Uh, we're your hosts, Harold and Rachel. Glad you're joining us today. And do you have a good week on the homestead this week, Rachel? I did. It's been pretty busy. Having those cooler nights. Probably, I like cooler nights, so you're probably enjoying that up there. Personally, huh? I do, but my pepper plants are not like Pepper me. plants don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really liking the cooler nights. We're liking that our electric bill's going down. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, there's, I love the fall temperatures. I love that transition. I love hoodie weather. You know, I love putting on the hoodie and working outside. And, but the idea of just knowing what's around the corner, I just, oh man, that upsets me a little bit. Uh, yeah. Winter. I'm actually looking forward to winter a little bit this year. It's been a very busy summer, so I'm looking to yeah. break. But I, yeah. It's been a very busy year in, in our garden, and I'm kind of tired from it. Like the <laughs> harvesting this year and the, the putting things up has been rough. We, yeah. uh, uh, I finally picked a bunch of those butternut squash today, so I, those, are, oh. those are done. So we'll be making some butternut squash soup, and that's my favorite soup. I love butternut squash soup. You ever had it? Yes, there yeah. was a somewhere I had a recipe from a chef that was shared in our local newspaper. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think I may have lost it, but it was so good. Yeah. It's my Roasted favorite. I just love it. Cause it's got that consistency of like tomato soup, but it's just got that yeah. totally different yeah. flavor. I love it. It's my favorite, but yeah, still, I made got a bunch of, uh, um, elderberry syrup done the last oh. few days and got some uh, grape jelly put up. So had some, so your grapes are ready. Yeah. Matter of fact, they were, they were falling off the vine. They were so ready. I guess so. you guys are ahead of us because grapes are not, I don't have any grapes per se. I, my yeah. grape bushes or my grape vines are brand new this year, but. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Like this Mine's, is my first year. You know, what's funny is I have one grape vine that's, I cut it back partially every year and it, it's probably over 30 feet where it spreads oh. out. I have it, it goes, wow. I have an arbor and it goes over my shed on one side. And then this on, when it goes out the other side, it goes over, I have a trellis over a gate over my back gate and it actually goes over the gate down that trellis and then down my fence. So I get grapes all the way across there and I'm walk when I go out my back gate, I actually run, walk under the grapes hanging down. It's kind of cool. Maybe I overdid it when I did four. <laughs> no, well, I, it's probably safer, but this one's really established. I put it in Oh, wow. Probably nine or 10 years ago. And it's got a trunk okay. that's probably, I don't know, a foot in diameter. It's huge. Yeah. What kind is it? Is it Concord? It's Concord. Yep. And, and yeah, so it's got the seeds, but you know, it's good. It's great for jelly and jams. And, and I actually like kind of like the seeds. They're kind of, I don't know. Are you eating a grape unless it has a seed? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not as good for like just snacking grapes, right, right. you know, but for making jellies and jams and things that oh, are they're, they're perfect. Yeah. They're amazing. It, make, it makes great jelly, but yeah, that's it what's does. been going on here. But uh, I made ketchup today for my first time. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. it it turned out so good that I think I might have. I'm like thinking about how I'm going to propagate these peppers to keep them longer, and I might have to dig them up and bring them inside because I put peppers in it. Oh, in your ketchup? Yeah. Oh, not never... many. It was. Uh, I did some. Some of my red tomatoes, some of my orange tomatoes, mm-hmm. banana peppers, and red onions from the garden. And I added a secret ingredient. 
A secret Sheep, ingredient. Wow. Sheep sorrel. <laughs> well, it's not Am secret I saying now. that right? Is it sorrel or sorrel? I say sorrel, but I yeah, don't pronounce so I a lot of things sheep, right. So <laughs> I added sheep sorrel. And um, my daughter said, that is amazing. So anyways, hmm. I got the recipe. I wrote it all down so I could repeat it. And uh, interesting. I'll have, share, I'll have to share it. Yeah, when we make it, it's just straight up tomato. <laughs> I don't put nothing else in it really. Well, other than vinegar just... and a little bit of sh- obviously vinegar and sugar in it. But it yeah. Is- I roasted the tomatoes too. So, oh, wow. So, you went all out on this. So, uh, make a big batch or? Well, I. It's trial batch. I quartered the batch that was in my canning book and then added a couple of things just because I didn't, I wanted us to eat it. Cause sometimes when we've made, I've made stuff before when when we canned them and then nobody really liked it. Well, now, now you know what you got to do, right? Since you mentioned it on the podcast, you're going to have to send that recipe here so I can put it in the show notes. Otherwise a bunch of people are going to just send emails. wanting So you might as well give it to me. (laughs) I know. Yeah. So it it was really good. In fact, my daughter put it on her, uh, I made bread last night. And so she put it on her grilled cheese. Awesome. Yeah. 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 We make some basic stuff like that, but everything I'm one of them just like meat and potato, basic people. I just don't like anything fancy. So it's like, I just, everything's kind of plain right. and I, I, I don't know. I don't get over carried away. that way, but I have <laughs> so many tomatoes this year that I didn't know what to do with them. So I'm like, well, I was so you, like, I've got a I, fair amount of tomatoes and tons of peppers and you got lots of tomatoes and I don't need to switch peppers, so. my peppers, it's this. <laughs> The cold nights, I think yeah. they're just really not liking it. And I bought these special Texas bird hot peppers and then paprika peppers because we love mm-hmm. smoked paprika and they both like heat. So I might have to dig them up, bring them inside and put them you, under some heat. <laughs> I almost wonder if you don't need to make some kind of a box, a window box or something to put around um, your, yeah. your pepper plants where you live to get the most out of them, maybe. Yeah, normally I don't have issues, but this year I kind of got a late start in the garden. It was a crazy mm-hmm. May for with work for me. So everything got in a little bit late and I'm paying for it with but the peppers. That's where a, <laughs> like a small greenhouse probably would do you good because you could actually grow them right in the floor of the greenhouse. Just like, so like my little greenhouse, we got I got the raised beds on each side. And I just, I will plant tomatoes and peppers right in the ground inside the greenhouse. I would love that. That would they, be I bet your peppers would it, and yours be really is, good. Is yours glass or is it just the special plastic? It's plastic. It, like it's, hard, hard yeah, it's a hard plastic. It's a, some kind of a composite plastic, but it, right. I mean, it's several years old now. And it's it looks never, so pretty too. It's it never faded like. and it holds up. I mean, I've banged into it. I've had grandson throwing baseballs at it right, and everything exactly. else and it's never broke or anything and that's so. what scares me about the plastic because we live with trees mm-hmm. number one and number two yours just looks appealing where the polytunnels they're not pretty <laughs> no they're not and like i said it's the stuff when you first touch it it's it feels like it's you, you know those uh plastic uh like tops that go on like the aluminum pans that for like cakes and things oh, yeah. you know? it, it almost feels like that but it's thicker but it's huh. like, but you can bang on it and it sounds about like that when you bang on it. So when I first put it up, I was like, this is never going to last, but I've had it. What? Like, I don't know, six years now or something, five or six years. So did and, you get that locally or did you have to order that? No, I ordered it. Um, I can't remember the company. I, you can get them on Amazon, but they're pretty, pretty expensive. Really. I, it's I a, I can't remember the name, uh, the brand of it. It's if I think wish, of it, I'll put it's it on, on my big wish list. Like, yeah, no, it's a kind of expensive, but. I like maybe, you said, I don't like I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the, you know, like the hoop house look. Yeah, just, and if I, pretty, you know, if I had a lot of land and it could stick it in the back 40 somewhere, it wouldn't bother me. But when it's when you're living in the urban homestead and you got neighbors, you, you want to keep it looking as nice well, as well. Even here, even out at our rural property, um, we have the trees. And then up here, a lot of people have to have the gothic style ones because mm. of the snow. Oh yeah. Yeah. And even then you still have to go out and really take care of them. So I, I think something more like what you have. Yeah, it seems better. to work well. And the snow seems to slide off of it pretty good. I've never had a lot of buildup of snow on top of it or anything. So a worthy investment I'll have to save for. Maybe <laughs> I could get more use out of it than I do. The first couple of years I, I used it year round. And now I've kind of like, I use it 
certain parts of the year for certain things. I remember but, seeing pictures of it. Oh yeah. I, the yeah. first couple of years I heated it and I stayed out there all winter. I mean, I'm out there growing lettuce in the middle of winter in it and stuff. And, and uh, but that gets expensive. So I quit doing that. Yeah. Put your hammock out there and a little banana tree. <laughs> Let me tell you, I spent a lot, I spent a lot of time in there in the winter. It was just good for my mental health more than anything. I right. Think. Exactly. That and, something about it. I was surrounded by green. I even had cherry tomatoes. It was like 10 degrees outside and I had cherry tomatoes growing in there. That's how oh, I, I was, wow. I had it really cool. uh, surrounded myself in green. It's nice being in January or February and, and having that happen. It's just a yeah, good feeling. January and February here. I don't know about where you're at, but by that time the lakes have cooled down and it is just brutally cold. Mm-hmm. And usually January and February, we don't see the sun. Like we don't, we go for like two months and no sun. Yeah. It's just yeah. Like it's depressing. I know it. It's horrible. Yeah. I'm with you. Yep. Well, I think we just jump into our topic here. Uh, last week we talked okay. about, um, you know, raised bed. We talked about bed, garden beds and taking care of them after the harvest, what to do with them and how to prepare them. But we didn't go into, um, the other things like trees and vines and your like raspberry and blackberry canes and your bushes and things like that. And, there's some things to do with those too in the fall, kind of prepare them for winter, maybe prepare them for the next year, just to kind of get things tidied up after the harvest again. Um, I feel like I was thinking about this today and we've, we've almost skipped a few things. Like we probably should have talked about like harvesting the fruits and the berries and oh, things like that. And got into some of that, cause we are kind of jumping forward a little bit and we come yeah. back and, and it's good to have it out there. So if you aren't there yet, you can come back and listen to this episode later. If you need some to be, um, you know, if somebody's right. listening to it and wants to come back to it later and listen to it again, because for a lot of people, they're not there yet, but for like you, you're, you're getting really close to that. You're just a few weeks away from tidying things up and getting things ready for winter. I'm just, a, I'm just three or four weeks after you really I'm four weeks from our first Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm probably, you know, three weeks after, you know, later than you probably on, on some of that. So, I mean, it's coming up pretty quick, so it's not necessarily the wrong time to do it, but there are still a lot of people harvesting their, near their apples and their pears and peaches and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's not for everybody right now, but we're thinking about it because it's getting close for us, but, um, but there are some things you can do. And I, I think we'll just break it down and just take on, first we'll start with trees and then go to vines. And then we'll think about our canes and then our bushes and just kind of work around the property, so to speak, taking care of these different things and what you have to do to them. So when you first start with trees, um, the first thing I think about when I think, okay, it's time to get these trees ready for winter, I think about mulch. I think it's time to get down a nice thick layer of mulch around those trees, kind of insulate the ground and 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 just help with the moisture retention really help with that because that's important because they're not getting as much water in the fall. They're going to need to retain that moisture. So they need some mulch, uh, really for, you know, it, it depends. Like if you've got trees around younger trees really need it more established trees. You've got their roots down really deep. Don't need it really necessarily, but I have a lot of young trees and those trees really need a good layer of mulch. Do you find that you're needing to do that to your trees? I definitely need to do that because my, the orchard at my house or at my, at our property is brand new. Mm -hmm. And so we're working on that this weekend, the mulch down around those, because we actually have had a mulch shortage here. Yeah. Well, we talk about that. Cutting down tree, some little saplings and making some, because we have a small, we do have a small chipper. Well, and even Um, if you can't get wood chips, I mean, there's some other options for mulch. I mean, you can use straw, you can use leaves, you can pile up the leaves, you know, as long as you don't have a lot of wind and stuff going to remove them, but you can really get those leaves piled up around, uh, especially more in a rural area, like where you are at your other property, you could just pull up the leaves or right. cut the grass and pile it up. You could do a lot of things to get the uh, mulch that's layer. That's what we've been doing right now yeah. using grass. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it works really, really well. And you can just make a big mound around that, uh, around your trees of something like that. And it would work really good too. Um, now I'm transitioning with a lot of my trees into a living mulch. Like my, I did this as an experiment with my pear trees a few years ago and it's worked perfectly uh, every year. And those trees are the healthiest trees on my property. And I planted comfrey around them yeah. and uh, I didn't even put a lot. I literally, I think I dropped two crowns, mm-hmm. uh, one on each side of the tree, but it has formed a circle around the tree. And uh, so all summer it works as this living mulch that yeah. just kind of covers the ground, keeps the ground cool. Um, 
and uh and then what it does in the fall it's really neat what it does i usually stop cutting them like i'll pull the leaves cut the leaves use them for uh chop and drop throughout my garden uh throughout the summer but about this time of the year august i stop cutting those plants and i let them get as big and bushy as they want and then as they start dying back they actually lay over uh, all the way around the tree and they make this nice big mound of comfrey mulch all around the tree and then i just leave it there and then next spring it just comes back you know it starts yeah, growing at up through home, that. and my the three fruit trees we have here we have done the same thing with the comfrey mm-hmm. and the other nice thing is that for us my comfrey uh, tracks so many bees yeah. so when it comes to to needing the tree pollinated and stuff it's great yep but yeah it has tall, a lot of benefits how tall does your comfrey get because mine obviously is the you know kind of the bad kind yeah you got the common comfrey uh, yeah how uh, tall how tall does it tall. get yeah mine gets uh, three and a half feet maybe okay mine gets about that yeah if i let it go completely like i said i'm always pulling right. it doing chop and yeah. drop but yeah i usually let it go and then about the time about the time, like I said, it grows, it starts dying. It's good and tall and it just lays over and it makes a, you know, a nice size mound all the way around that tree and um, creates a really nice uh, mulch pile. And so I don't worry about those trees and it's just so low maintenance. It's giving you the chop and drop through the summer. It's a great uh, alternative to going and buying mulch. Like yes. you said, there's a shortage and with comfrey, it's a one-time deal. Yeah, now where we are, there has been, we have had, you know, it depends on where you're at, where all that stuff is, you know? Yeah. And with some of my trees, I'm actually creating more, uh, 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 guilds that are, you know, a little bit more of a variety, you know, yeah. and with, and with those pear trees, I didn't cause the comfrey will tie up that space. So right. you, you can, you know, you, you kind of gauge it, what trees you want to do that with, what trees you don't, the, the pear trees, it works out good. Cause they're beside my house and I'm not building a big massive guild of stuff around right. it anyway. Um, but if you're wanting to do more of a permaculture guild and have all the layers, you know, the comfrey's fine, but you've got to kind of plan that out and how you're placing it and leave gaps where you can get other things in there growing. So yeah. you got to kind of consider that, but yeah, I, I love that option. I'm looking into doing that and our orchard mm-hmm. is adding a bunch of adding guilds between it's just, yep. it was one more thing. Yeah. It was one of those things we just didn't get to this year, but next yeah. year we, but we left space and planning for it. And you, and you definitely want to do it little bits at a time. Cause it can get overwhelming, but if you can plan yeah. them out and just kind of do different ones, right. do different experiments at different trees. And now when it comes to the mulch, I did want to mention though, you, when you're putting mulch around trees, it's important that you pull the mulch away from the tree Yes, because uh, for a few things, for one, it, it will hold moisture on the trunk of that tree and it can cause rot. Um, it can also invite pests and 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 just varmints and things to work through that mulch and get to your tree trunk uh, and actually cause a lot of issues there. They'll eat the eat the tree basically, and, right. and rodents are really bad about that. So it's best what it works best is if you pull that mulch. And I even do that with my living mulch. Like when it does lay over, I'll come out and kind of pull it away from the tree. So it you know it's a few inches, four or five inches at least away from that trunk. Okay. Um, all the way around. And so it's important to do that because it can cause a lot of issues, especially if you've got a, like a lot of mice issue and things, if you're out in the field or whatever, it can definitely, they will eat it. They will eat the, We've had issues the here, not on our fruit trees, but on other bushes, they've just completely killed yeah. them. And, and that's just for the mice and stuff. Now you got another problem with like rabbits and things that will eat a little bit higher up. They'll go above the mulch and eat. So there's some things you can do with that. You can, you can, this is a good time to think about that because they, the pressure on that gets heavier in the winter because yes. of course the food shortages. So they're going to looking for bark to eat and things like that. So um, you can, there are, you can wrap a tree and it helps. And the wrap actually does a couple things. You can buy burlap wrap. This is more organic. You can buy commercial, other commercial wraps and um, it will deter pests, mice, rabbits, things like that a little bit, but it also insulates the, the, the tree down low and protects the bark. If you got a lot of frost and stuff, cause you, you can actually get frost cracks and things, especially yeah, where you live. Yeah. It's a big and issue. Sun too. It will heat sun, up yep, the bark can. on one side. I forgot mm-hmm. what they call it. But yeah, they're like sun scalding the trees yeah, and things. Yeah. And, yeah. and it'll protect it year round. You can use it year round. I here it is not as big of an issue, uh, but yeah, some places it's a big issue. Now you can do some DIY things. You can take burlap sacks. Yeah. If you've got access to those, wrap them around a tree. Um, for if you just if you don't want to wrap it with a, any kind of a, a wrap, but you want to protect it, you can actually buy cages 
that go around trees, or you can make your own out of some hardware cloth and yeah. just curve it, zip tie it, cut those off the next year, fold it out, and then you can keep using it. I always make it. We do have some that I do that because we have some rabbit pressure out on the other side. And um, I just use a, some like a 36 inch ch- uh, hardware cloth and right. cut it a couple feet in diameter, which keeps it, they're small, they're young trees, but it keeps it out a few inches away from the tree. So as that tree grows, I can keep using it. And I just wrap it, put some zip ties on it, hold it together. Them. Zip ties are the uh, homesteaders. Yes, it's a tool. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, not the most um, environmentally friendly thing, right. probably. It's not really a reusable plastic, but, you know, we don't mind a few little things like that, I guess. Some people don't. Some people would probably hear me say right. that and go, oh, well, I'll stop listening use, to them. So, I, yeah, you could always use, you know, you could use ro- string. Ro- yeah, you could use a something's going to, you know, break yeah. down if you want. Um, but I, I find that works really good and you could reuse the, the, but you can buy the cages that are just locking and they have like clips to lock them together around right. trees and you don't have to do that all the time but thinner bark more delicate trees you know fruit trees when they're young yeah. they will chew them up if well, you have those, that kind of pressure yeah and some of those um mulberry trees are kind of designed to be eight so yeah yeah, yeah, so that's what it. I'm worried about. They love the berry. apple trees. They love yep. they love all the fruit trees. We I'll have find. used um, to give people a frugal idea is we have used locally. We have a lot of coffee places, and we've actually gotten coffee bags for free. Those are burlap. Oh yeah, yep, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, I did yep. a podcast. I think it was uh, a few years ago. It was about the time I did a podcast with you originally, and I was talking to a guy. And he lived up in Canada, and he uh, he was using burlap sacks on his oh, trees because yeah. it was you know and similar situation so yeah you don't have to go out and buy the stuff you can just save stuff throughout the year and then do that in the winter time and wrap them and it will prevent a little bit of pest pressure a little bit of rabbit pressure they can chew through it if given enough time but you know the cages can prevent that but if it's something in in my urban homestead it's not that big of an issue but it's something we have to look at a little bit um and it'll kill a tree local fox so i think he's been helping us (laughs) (laughs) yeah there you go he'll clean them out yeah and and it'll kill a tree if they get all the way around and eat the bark all the way around the tree's gonna die um a little bit here and there it won't kill it but if they go all the way around the tree it'll kill it and sometimes that happens so it's something you got it we've lost other trees not our fruit trees but other trees on our property from rabbits yeah and that cage when you if you put it around first if you put the wire around it first and then just put the mulch up to that it kind of keeps that mulch off the tree too. It kind of helps with that. So that's why I'm saying it's a good time to do that if you're going to do that. And, and winter time, again, that's when you're going to get the most pressure from varmints and and bugs and things like that. So it's just something to pay attention to. Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you do want to protect it. It's a good time to think about the protecting, the mulching. Um, now, a lot of people have a tendency to think, oh, well, all my fruit's gone. Now I'm going to prune my tree. It's not the best time to prune your tree until after that tree goes dormant. So uh, now I actually watched a video of somebody the other day, and they said that they prune even throughout the year in yeah, the summertime. And I've only ever pruned in the fall and it's, it served me well, or in yeah. the, in the dormant season, either late winter, either early winter or late winter. I yeah. will, I will prune. We um, usually prune around maple syrup time here, which is like yeah. March, February, March. Yep. That's I usually, I usually wait till spring, it. early, yeah. early spring or late winter. And that's when I usually prune too. uh, trees. We're talking about trees here. So we'll get into some other right. stuff My later. Fruit trees. Yep. Yep. So that's something I do there. It's safe. You ain't going to, you ain't going to kill nothing doing that. So it's just safer to do it then. Um, I don't fertilize in the fall either. Uh, I fertilize in the spring because you're, it's really going to, 
um, promote that growth when you get that fresh right. injection of, of a fertilizer. And when I'm talking fertilizer, you can use an organic fertilizer. I usually just use compost and things like that to fertilize my trees, but I will put down a nice layer of, of compost around my trees in the, um, uh, in the spring. So if, especially the young trees, an older established tree, I, I generally don't do anything with it, but my fruit trees, the young fruit right. trees I have, I do. Um, and something you and I were talking about earlier, uh, I, we have some hot weather coming in over the next few days, which is not normal this time of year, but you want to continue watering. Um, right. It's easy to think, well, the fruit's off the tree, the leaves are falling, but if you got a, a, this lo- a long dry period, continue to water your tree and your, tr- especially your young trees until uh, it gets really cold out because, you know, it's, a, it is a drier season. The fall season is generally a drier season and it can still be a pretty hot season. Um, so you don't want to forget to water just because they're not producing for you. Right. Um, it'll create, it'll just continue to, to be healthy for your trees and help them grow. Um, so that's, that's what I do for my trees. I don't do a lot, but that's what we do. Go around and mulch, you know, put a little protection around them and, um, water pretty much. And then I'll prune when they go dormant. So that's, that's trees. That's how I treat trees. Is there yeah, anything you do have, differently? Well, the only thing we're doing differently right now is we have a tree that we have some disease in. And okay. so what we're doing is we're making sure we get all those leaves gone yep. when they it, fall. So I don't, we don't want the leaves from that tree because okay. that tree is having issues. But I mean, normally we wouldn't worry about it, but because we're having a, I think it's called, uh, cedar rust because yeah we got, yep. we got it from a cedar tree that's mm-hmm. nearby yeah and so we're gonna be removing those leaves sure from the ground it's a good point it's a good point yeah. i did mention that like the next thing we're gonna talk about is vines and that is a, an issue with like grapes and things too so um i haven't had the disease issues with my trees so much so it's not something i've been thinking about but yeah it's a good point and that would be when we're talking about vines next that's the first thing I had on the list was clean that vineyard floor, get right. the old yeah. grapes that fall, get the leaves out because disease issues with grapevines is kind yeah, of Yeah, and this is my year issue. with grapes. Yep. This is my first year with grapes. We don't really have leaves very many. You know, we got yeah. like what, 20 leaves, but <laughs> yeah. I've been watching videos and I was, I was, it was really interesting. Yeah, we have a lot because there's a lot of grapes I just don't get to before they start falling. So we get a lot of grapes oh. that fall. Those are rotten. It's bringing in pests. So it's inviting yeah. a lot of bugs in. You got the leaves falling. Some of them look got some black spots on them and stuff. So we clean that. I always clean that that vineyard floor up. You know, and get all that stuff out of there. Um, and do you compost those or do you completely remove them? You know, I I generally don't. I usually get them okay. out and it might okay. burn them in a pile or just get them on a separate pace. I might take them to a part of the property where I'm not really just this lawn or something and pile them up and just kind of let them go for a while or something. You can bag them, throw them in your trash. Um, if they have their disease issue, if it, if there's disease issue, if it's more like I'm just cleaning it up to keep the bugs out because you're going to get a lot of bug pressure, you could probably, you could throw that in the compost. Yeah, for sure. Um, but if you did see some black spots on some leaves or something like that, that looks like a disease, you'd probably want to just get rid of those. If your compost pile is, if you're really experienced with compost, you're good at getting it good and hot. It's not even something you have to worry about. Um, you can, you can kill off that stuff, but, um, I don't always pay that close of attention to my compost yeah i'm kind of a lazy composter yeah sometimes i do good sometimes i just forget about it for weeks on end and let it just do its thing naturally um but yeah that's the first step we always take with the vineyard um now i will put down compost around the grapes i do fertilize it uh with compost um in in the fall and uh the next thing i do is something i learned i i had the vine for a few years before i started doing this but then I start reading a little bit about it and I always protect my trunks and my graft unions by from the cold, by piling up soil, not mulch, okay. mound it kind of like you would potatoes or right. something. You mound up around the, uh, the, the trunk of the um, grapevine and it helps protect it. And the reason you want to use soil and not mulch is because of the pest issues. Cause they'll come in okay. and eat, they'll work through mulch and get to your grapevine where they want the soil as much. So that was just something I learned a couple of years, a few years into it. And I started doing it. It seems like it does 
Yeah, it, I was watching a video of a guy that. doing it today. Yep. And I'll oh, ask really? Okay. Questions when you when you're done completely talking about this, I'll ask you a question to see. <laughs> I might have an answer. I might not. <laughs> but well, just to see your thoughts, or if yeah. 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 Well, that's just something I do. I've seen, like I said, I probably watched a video on it too a few years ago and started doing it. And I would just bring comp a mixture of compost. I, I kind of work it in with the compost. I bring the compost and some soil in and I kind of mound it. And that's so I'm kind of fertilizing it and doing the mound all at the same time. And then I actually mulch around that. I'll come out that with mulch. Oh, okay. And 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 I do put some mulch down, but it's a little lower and it's around that. So I'm not um and, and that's more for moisture retention. I think more than anything, um, cause there's not really a, a, like a, a heat issue or an insulation issue there. It's in a vineyard. It's got an arbor over it. Um, it gets some protection, but, uh, I'm just t- thinking about moisture retention in the soil for, right. for the grapevine. Cause again, keep watering, you know, yeah. I always keep watering everything until, until it, I can't water anymore. And then, um, you prune it when it's dormant again, I, you can actually do it in the fall if you want, or you can wait till spring but when it's dormant, okay. but what was yeah. your question about it? Well, this guy, of course, he isn't growing a huge grapevine like you are on a arbor. He had more, it looked a little bit more like a commercial orchard. Yeah. And he was actually pruning his back and taking them off of his, his fencing or his mm-hmm. trellising. And he was actually burying the whole vine. Yeah. The first and the, and the trunk. Yeah. yeah. How long, how long was the vine that he was burying? It looked to be like five or six feet. Okay. Okay. He was like basically built. He That's was, funny. That, we're going to buried yeah. it in there. It's funny. We're going to talk about the raspberry and blackberry canes in a little bit. And that's going to be one of the things about that is burying them. Uh, but I've never done it with grapes, the whole vine. Yeah. Um, but I have cut it back almost to ground level. The first three years I was growing that I cut it down to a really small bush. And I just okay. let it completely go again, but I, I got lazy one year and I kind of let it go and I just kept the vines out there all year and I cut it back where it was starting to get all my shed and I cut it back right at the trellis right. and it seemed like it grew better and actually gave me more grapes that year. So every year since then, I just kind of do that. I cut it back to the trellis right. and my shed and, and then I let it grow from there on out each well, year. Well, you're getting grapes. I just yeah, and it gives me a ton live, of grapes. So. You know, where we live, we get a lot of snow mm-hmm. typically. And we actually freeze pretty low in, in so, your, in yeah. your area that, that could be something that, yeah, that uh, you might do. I've not had an issue and we get pretty cold winters here, but it's yeah. not been an issue that I've had as far as it killing it or anything. Um, and all I do is bury the trunk. Of course, like I said, mine's that's up. For, that's protection against the cold, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, interesting. It covers that. Uh, you want to get it up over the union graft there because right. most it of the will freeze down i don't know six or eight inches i mean you won't be able to get a shovel yeah. in there yeah so oh, we'll do that wow. we'll cover that up but i got like i said i got one huge right. great trunk where well, i don't have a bunch you know sounds so. like it's really producing so. it works very well yeah we get yeah. i get uh i'm trying to just give you a, a comparison on like what you can th- imagine how many grapes i get off of this i have these trays um they're like um what are they a couple feet by probably 16 inches deep and a couple feet long, two and a half feet long and probably seven or eight inches deep uh, depth wise and width wise. Anyway, there are these big trays for carrying stuff. Right. And I have a whole bunch of those. My wife works for a school system. She's a okay. manager of cafeteria system. She brought a whole bunch of these things home when they were throwing away. So I use these to collect produce and uh, I filled up probably 15 of those with crap. I mean, I hope to have that heaped up over. I mean, like falling off the sides, heaped up. It just, just, I, I, it was so, we, we had so many that we were like freezing bunches of them. And, and, wow. and just, I hope to have that problem. One yeah. It was, um, and, and that's just, like I said, that's one big giant, uh, I call wow. it my great tree. Cause it's it basically just, is. It sounds like yeah. It's got a huge yeah. trunk on it. Yeah. And it's a few years old. So it was actually the first thing I planted on this homestead. Really? Very first thing I bought it. I went and bought seeds to plant my raised beds and I planted that grapevine and it was the very first things I planted. So nice. <laughs> it came a long way, but yeah, that's what I do with that. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure as far as Barry, I mean, I, yeah, well, I think it would further insulate it. It's not the reason we're going to talk about canes next, like raspberry right. and blackberry canes. It's not the reason I do it with those. If I do it, 
but yeah, I, I think it would definitely protect it. So uh, let's move on to talk about like our raspberry canes and our blackberry canes, things like that. You probably don't want nothing to do with that because it sounds like you guys did a lot way with a lot of those on your we, new property. <laughs> we bought, um, I do have a bunch of thornless blackberries. Okay, yeah. And we did buy some raspberries. So if, if you yeah. want to, and, and what I try to do is I, I like them just to contain them in an area and have them grow the way I not spread everywhere, but grow right. in the direction yeah. and the way I want them to. So I, this is the time of the year that I pay attention to that. And this is yeah. going to determine how they grow next year. So the first thing I do with my raspberry and blackberry canes is I, um, I prune all the second year canes which are the brown ones they're going to be brown and look dead so i go through and i prune those at ground level cut them out get those out of there um so you can go ahead and cut those out as soon as it stops producing you can get those you can get rid of those because they're dead they're they're not going to produce anymore um and now what i do is i go on my first year uh canes and they're usually four or five feet long and i'll usually cut off about the last three inches of those prune about the last three inches off and the reason i do that is it kind of promotes uh, side shoots and they'll start getting more bushy which will produce okay. more fruit because you know you get that long vine you'll just get the fruit kind of growing along it but if you can get it to grow more branches it produces more fruit so it kind of it's just a way to get more production out of it now what you can do if you're wanting to expand your raspberries and blackberries and what i did for for a few years was bury them um what i would do is i would lay them down in the direction i want them to go like say i want to make a row of raspberries or a row of blackberries i would lay those those first year vines or canes down cover them with either soil or mulch both will work um if you get whatever you got either soil or mulch cover them up bury them and that's the way they're going to go you're going to get new shoots popping up spurring right along where you covered them so you and don't it, break it. You just kind of gently don't have to break. It. You can just lay it down, cover it up and it will insulate it. And so it will protect. That it. makes sense because when they tip, I mean, they kind of do that on their own when they get tall enough, they tip mm -hmm. over and then another one will pop up. Yep. Yep. So, and, but yep. this is a good way to control it because you can pick the direction. Right. Say you're wanting to make a row and you can kind of control where it grows. So if you want a row of raspberries, you can lay right. them down that way, bury them. And it's a good time yeah. of the year to do that. And then in spring, they'll just start popping up. That's there. how my in-laws did it. They had like mm -hmm. a, I don't know, it was probably 24 inches wide and it was this long row and then they would mow around it to yep. keep it yeah. contained. Yep. Yeah. And so you're just killing, you're just basically cutting off the new shoots that are popping up wherever. Yeah. Cause if you let them grow, they will spread everywhere, yeah. but that will give you a nice defined row of where you want them to be. If you're wanting, if you're wanting that now, if, if, yeah. if you're, not looking to get that you can prune those but i mean quite honestly you could cut them to the ground every year oh, and get first year canes and they'd come back they i've done that i've accidentally mowed over them before cut them to the ground they came back just fine the next year with first oh, year yeah canes. i can tell you from our property now those raspberries are super tiny the wild mm -hmm. ones which yeah. is why we bought actual raspberries because they're bigger and then we bought the thornless blackberries because thornless. Yeah. <laughs> but when we have mowed, we have been um, not tilling, but taking an orchard rake and trying to plant over those with rye to kind of inhibit mm -hmm. the raspberries. The runners in there yeah. is insane. Yep. They will pop up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, like I said, other than just mowing them down, it's hard to contain them. Uh, and then you're not really containing them. You're just making it so you don't see them. Right. <laughs> they're exactly. still spreading around. But yeah, that's what I do. And, and, and you can definitely get your production. That's good to know. Expanding, ever expanding. Yeah. Like you said, you can buy a couple raspberries and a couple blackberries and in just a few years, you'll have all you want if you just know how to do it right and lay them down and, and grow them out the way you want them. But like I said, you can make a lot of mistakes with, with mm -hmm. these things and, and they're going to be fine. You could, like I said, mow over them and they're going to come back. Probably if they're, if they're established, they're going yeah, to come back. Hardy. Yeah, they are. Um, I like to continue on to the second year because you get a better fruit set. I think a, you get a bigger uh, raspberry, a better, uh, fruit set. Um, so I like to have the second year, you know, go through the second year canes, even, you know, right. not have all first year canes. Cause you will just get a little bit more production, I think. Um, and cut those out and they're a little bit of work, but like I said, you get, um, you'll get a nice crop that way. Now I consider, I consider like currants and, and 
uh, bushes, not canes. I don't know if they're falling the canes or bushes category. I think they're more of a bush. Um, so I have some currants, uh, black currants and red currants. And um, with those, I kind of do, you can prune those when they're dormant, same way, mulch them hidden heavily. You can lay them down. They'll still grow up because they, they propagate really easy. Also currants do. Okay. Um, yeah, very easy. And I've got, I've got gooseberries, uh, black and red currants. I kind of do the same thing with those. I don't, I haven't really buried them to try expanding them that way, but you can take cuttings off of them and plop them in the ground. They seem to, they seem to propagate really, really just about as easy as elderberry. If you've ever done that with elderberry, elderberry, you can just, clip it stick it in the ground it'll grow another plant right yeah that's real what, easy yeah that's what i've seen yeah. i have uh figs too yeah so we so i'm i have uh the goji berry the currants this, all of these and the Do elderberry the goji berry in a bush then as well well <laughs> here's the thing with goji berries um <laughs> i have come to hate goji berry <laughs> no I, I i like them here's what will make a gardener hate a certain plant when you don't know what you're doing with it and you mess <laughs> up and plant it in the wrong place. And oh, yes. kind of like you with comfrey, you've come yeah. to despise your common comfrey. I have come to despise my goji berry because I planted it right next to my house. And this thing. Spread. Oh yeah. It, it tries to take over the world. And they have thorns. Yeah. They have big, sharp, uh-huh. Thorns that are horrible. Yeah. The berries ain't even that great. They're very nutritious. They have a lot of benefits. Right, they do. And, but they and don't I throw them in things. Great. Yeah, they yeah. don't have a lot of taste. Period. They're just not a great eating berry. So I mean, but I put them right beside my house, and and they just take over everything. I've tried. To, I cut them to the. I actually went under the ground and dug up a bunch of the roots, even trying to get rid of them. Oh, and then wow. and then planted things, pretty thick things around them, thinking, oh, that'll smother them out. Nope. Then things came right back up through there and started going everywhere. <laughs> I was like, this is unbelievable. So yeah. I, I don't, the only thing I do with my goji berry every year is just try to kill it. <laughs> I mean, basically, I, I mean, I'm just, too. yeah, and, if you plant um, them somewhere where they can just take over right. the world, they're fine. Yeah. But beside your house is not the place for I that. <laughs> mine are not thriving like yours. Maybe it's just cold enough. I had other people tell know. me that too. I don't know what it is. I've got them on the, I've got them on the, uh, the South side of my house where it's full it sun. No, it's not. I was going to say, maybe your grape is just. You know, we've got, I tell you what, we've got really good soil here. We've got really good soil here and, yeah. and, and things just grow really good, but it's on the South side of my house. It's getting full sun every day, all day. Huh. And they get plenty of water right there because they catch the runoff on my roof. Even they catch a lot of where the gutters let out. So they get plenty of water. They're just, it's, I don't know. I've created They're the perfect, life. I accidentally created the perfect environment to turn these things into a, a weed or something. I mean, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is they're, they are great. I, you know, I like permaculture. They're a great permaculture yeah. plant. They, they are. And, and they propagate super easy. Like I can just dig up those runners, put them in pots, give them to people so they can have the problem too. <laughs> I do it all the time. Share um, the love. I share that love. That's right. So, but you know, they, they're not all bad. Don't get me wrong, but they, I have come no, to wish I, I did like not bring them to this property. <laughs> Like with my comfort, I have warned yeah. people like over and over again, and they still beg me to. Send I them. I tell you I'm what, like, Are I you re- sure you want this. I can remember <laughs> way back when when you were talking about it in the front porch when you were using common, you were planting common comfort because you got some seeds, and yes. I was thinking, and I think I even mentioned to you back then. Yeah, I wouldn't want that on my property unless I had right. way it out in the field here somewhere because yeah, where it's at, we mow it to control it. And that helps. But if I would, I do not want, I think honestly, I think if you had a livestock pasture, it'd be great to have it spreading all over the place because livestock could eat it and get all the benefits from it and let it just go crazy. And they could just keep it. It doesn't completely like I look out my window and I've got 28. Yeah. Yeah, But I think if you had like pretty heavy, you know, whatever, I mean, yeah, there's play. I think there's situations it's like with everything. There's there's situations where it works. There's situations where it doesn't. Well, my son choke is that way too. Yes, yeah. Jerusalem artichokes will take. Raised, yeah, yeah, I planted that in a raised bed mm-hmm. with railroad ties. There's three yeah, they go ties. they'll go deep and then come up on the other it side. It still came yeah. up on the other side. Thankfully, we mow the yards. So we just mow it over and mow it over. Yeah. But I'm like, I could not believe it escaped it. It did. Yep, they they can <laughs> absolutely. But the good thing is, you can mow if you're mowing around them. You're killing the. You're just right. chopping it down. Yeah. So it, it works here because we mow. We have lots of little islands and spaces where things are, which ours is by under our apple tree. 
So, yeah. Yeah. yeah some charts artichokes are almost as bad as bamboo. <laughs> I mean, they, they can spread about like that. Yep. Not, not as fast growing, but. Too, and there's, yeah. it's not happening. Yeah. There's again, as a gardener, you, you want to love all plants, but you can't love all plants in every location. Yeah, and a, I'm thinking, well, maybe I should take that out to the property because again, livestock, but then that, that kind of scares me a little bit too. So. Yeah. Yeah. It can. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, when it comes to bushes, there's a few things. When I think about the bushes that need the most care, like I said, the the, the currants are, I mean, they, they propagate so easy. They grow so easy. The elderberry can't kill it. It's doing great. You know, I wish I could kill goji. The, the bush, though, I think about, and I have to, in my climate, I have to pay the most attention to and um, care for the most are my blueberries because okay. we have a very neutral soil here. So right. I'm, I'm usually making pH adjustments in the fall for the blueberries. So I'm adding things to the soil um, to adjust that, that pH if I have to, and I'll, I have to do it two or three times a year here. Oh, wow. I mean, we, as our soil just naturally just goes right back to, to a neutral soil and it will not stay acidic for those blueberries. So I have to, I do have to amend the soil a yes. lot to keep my pH adjustment. So I do it in the fall. I'll do it in the spring. Sometimes I, if I do some pH tests, I might even have to do it middle of the year to keep those adjustments right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, we have wild blueberries. Mm, yeah, you live in an area where it's just, yeah, they grow naturally. They don't grow Wild but they're here. again they're like super tiny yeah so we're gonna probably be getting blueberry bushes yeah yeah um i do mulch we mulch them heavily because you know we're trying to again care for them and take care of those so i'll mulch those really well, how nice. do you adjust your ph do you use something specific i do different things like i um i do i use that job's organics uh okay. soil additive it's a soil acidifier and yep. it's just like a little pelvy stuff you put in your soil and kind of work it in um i'll use that a couple times a year i do constantly put down coffee grounds around okay. my around them as well um you could mulch with things like pine needles and things like that but that doesn't do as much as you think it that's does. what people, i was that's people, what I heard. People yeah. do that, but I find that doesn't actually change the soil pH as you would think. Yeah, that's um, what I've heard. It's not, it doesn't really work. As I well. think when they're green, I think it could do a lot more, but when they're dry needles, I don't think they do as much as what people think. I've tried it. Didn't seem to right. adjust my pH at all, okay. but I will put down, like we go, I drink a lot of coffee. So I put down a lot of coffee grounds um, around my blueberries. It's the only place I even put them anymore because I want it all right there because I'm trying to right. really right. keep that soil acidic. And like I said, I use that Job's Organics. Um I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, it's a good product for for changing the soil. It does work, but I do find I have to use it a couple times a year in our in our area. You, yeah, I've some used people, some of their stuff. I think I've used their sulfur. Yeah, yep, and yeah. I think this is has the sulfur is part of it because that does okay. that it's a sulf, aluminum sulfate or whatever. It does a lot to um, adjust pH. There's different things you can use, uh, but I'll put some links in for that. But that's something I do have to pay attention to. Um, for the blueberries, of course, uh, don't, I don't prune any bushes until they're dormant, but as soon as things go dormant, it's a great time. If you're going to start taking cuttings from things like elderberry, like your currants, right. things like that, it's a great time to get your hardwood cuttings. So I'm always thinking about that as well, but you can take those in the spring too. If you don't take them now, um, if you don't want to care for them all winter or whatever, but yeah, it's a good time to do it as soon as they go dormant they go dormant. So it's something to think about there. I don't fertilize any bushes in the fall because fertilizer is going to promote green and it might make them start. Mm -hmm. If you get some warm days, it might actually start making them bush again or something. So I, I yeah. do, I avoid fertilizers and compost and things until springtime. 
So the, so this is kind of a list of things to do and not do, you know, when, in right, the fall, yeah. because some people just think, oh, well, it's a good time to fertilize. Not for everything. Some things I don't fertilize because I don't want to promote any growth in the fall. And if you get some warm days, like I said, you might be promoting some growth and you don't want to do that at this time of the year. So that's what I do. Uh, now, those are just some of the things I do for my bushes, my canes, my vines, and my trees. There's probably more things to do, but this has served oh, yeah. me well um, so far. I think if you did have disease issues, there might be some steps you might want to take in a fall for any of these things. Um, I think if you were battling heavy pest pressure, there might even be some things you'd want to do differently on several of these things. But um, you, it might be a good time to to start addressing some of those issues. Maybe not, maybe wait till spring, but, um, but that's just, this is what I do every year and it's not a long process. It's not hard. It's just, I get bunches of mulch and I get, you know, things I need and I get out there and do it all in a day really on my property. And I can get all my stuff set up for, for fall, for winter time. So that's, that's really all I do for all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. We have, like I said, we have the apple trees. Those are the only things we've had long-term other than the raspberries, to be honest, we've kind of neglected those. Mm-hmm. Now, but, um, you yeah. say you're treating for rust. Now, are you doing a treatment in the fall for those? Because I've always heard that you do like a foliar uh, a spray, but you do it right after they bud, as soon as the buds yeah, come on. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that I am doing in the spring. I'm doing a foliar spray, and then I'm using a bunch of different soil amendments okay. that a friend of mine, I should have him on for a podcast. He's a um, horticulturist. Okay. Yeah. Just definitely. a major tree guy and he loves permaculture. Um, but he, he gave me this recipe and it has really, really helped that tree a lot, but we're still struggling because the tree that's infecting it is still there and it's something we have to work on with a neighbor. Yeah. But, um, so what the only thing we're doing in the fall with that is I will be checking the trunk to make sure there's no pests and stuff on the trunk, but we're just removing the leaves. And so instead of letting removing those leaves for sure from the property, yeah. have disease. Sure. Yeah. And we have, so it's spreading from, a cedar tree that is next to a crab apple tree. And then the crab apple tree is spreading to oh. a regular apple tree. And the crab apple, we had uh, talked about cutting down and we just haven't. But then my husband said, well, we should just cut down the culprit, which is the, the cedar, cedar tree. tree. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it's right on our property line. So yeah. I mean, we have to talk to the neighbor. Again, but one of the joys yep. of urban homesteading. Yep. You have to. Yeah, it's hard to yeah. work those things out, but yeah, that's right. That is one of the joys, but yeah, you have to deal with the neighbors and the things. And yeah, yeah. and I don't think they'll have an issue with it. But then again, I mean, the cedar bush—it's a lot. It's actually quite a large tree at this point, and it's yeah. um, you know, it's probably they can they tall and it's yeah, kind cedar, of pretty. Cedar rust can definitely affect a few things. Uh, yeah, in the garden, yeah. it can definitely it's affect other things. Both yeah. of those trees, though, yep. and I'm not sure if the crab apple is able to be saved at this point but it's really leaning over our other apple tree and drops all of its leaves so Mm. we need to clean up all of those leaves and make sure they go somewhere yeah it's just spreading Um, spreading the problem (laughs) yeah i don't think there's anything we can do otherwise though my apples i do have something else i believe this isn't part of the rust problem but i have a, a pest in them as well so yeah well, yeah. hopefully you can get that under control and get the, yeah, you were saying, you, you know, it, as far as treating the soil, yeah, getting a healthy tree will even help. If your trees are really help, uh, healthy, it can yeah. really help fight off a lot of those things right. as and well. Right, and that was yeah. my friend Andrew's mm-hmm. suggestion was, you know, healthy trees can help. Yeah. It has to have the tools to fight. It, we at least got to give that yep. fighting yep. chance. And, That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, keeping that, keeping them trees, yeah, keeping them good and healthy. And I know the Dirt Doctor has a lot of uh, yeah. – recipes for keeping trees really healthy and putting down in the soil and keeping those trees healthy. Right. And and the crazy part is, is our tree that we have out back on the other side of the house. um, We don't even know what breed it is. We don't even know how old it is. It's been here forever and ever and ever. And uh, because we actually bought this house from my husband's sister Mm. and the tree was there when she owned this house. We don't even know what it is. And that tree does 
so well and it's been so neglected. <laughs> but this year we did fertilizer with that same stuff that he told us to. And um, it's that tree is just loaded with huge, beautiful apples. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, my apple trees, I have a couple that are just loaded as well. And I don't really do anything for them other than what I've talked about here, just yeah. mulch them. And I think I it's a fruit year. Yeah. It has been a really good fruit year all the way around. Um, yeah. But some resources. Uh, not everybody has a good local tree guy like you do. So we can point them to some good resources. Uh, the Holistic Orchard is a book that people should have on their shelves. And you need to get it, Rachel. I know you don't have it yet. <laughs> I borrow it. Yeah, you I read, read it from the library. You, but now you I read it from the library. So you have you have read it. So, But it's a good one. It's It's got, uh, um, it, it really has a lot of breakdown. Michael Phillips is, he knows his stuff. Um, so if you're want to know about trees he's a guy that can definitely uh yeah it's not his trees berries and things too also he, he kind of covers all that in that book um, but it's a good book i'll put a link to that in the show notes i'll have some links to some other articles and such um you actually link to a free article uh, an article at uh groworganicapples.com and i'll put in the show notes and that's actually michael phillips wrote that article yes. yep. and, and there's a lot of good information in that article so even yeah. if you don't get the book check out that that article it's it's has a lot of great information in there so check that out i found a series of um youtube videos with him and him that total like three hours long it was like a wow somewhere yeah like a place well send me a link to that playlist and i'll get that in the show notes yeah that link in there because that it was I, i watched a couple of them and um very good information. Great. So, yeah. yeah. Send that over. We'll get that in the show notes for folks so they can check it out. And uh, if they want further, uh, further study, <laughs> that's the thing about being a gardener, a homesteader, you're, the, the study never ends. We're always looking to learn more yeah. things. I love it though. I love learning new yes, things. And too. I had a guy um, reach out to me this week in an email and he was pointing out something like way early on, like i Covered, did a podcast like years ago and he's like you know you should have said this because this is an issue and blah 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 and i'm like hey yeah i yeah, he gave me a link and i was like i'll put the link in that podcast i can't really go back and edit the audio it's kind of the nature of the beast but right. yeah i'm happy to put a link in there because you know what just like everybody else i'm learning i'm in a constant state of learning and things i said five six years ago i've learned some things i've changed right. my mind and well, oh, expanded and on that me back to uh what do you call it currents here in Michigan, I don't know if it's where you are, we have to be careful which currents we get. Really? Because of white pine. Oh, see, I don't know anything about disease, that. There's a disease that can spread to them. See, they're um, so they won't even ship into Michigan unless it's really specific breed that has been hybridized to well, it must not be an issue spread. here. I bought mine from yeah. Stark Brothers and they shipped it, right. and I never heard anything about it. Yeah. So Either it's not I an really issue here or they're the hybrids. And when I started sure. looking into that, I, I really wanted black currants. And when I started looking into that, um, I wanted to make sure that I got the right ones just because we have, mm-hmm. um, we have an old growth white pine forest. That's oh, yeah. the picture of me that you have with yeah. the big tree. tree yeah. That's yeah. a white pine. They're like over a hundred years old. Wow. And you can't even put your arms halfway around them. So, so just we want to protect those trees yeah so so do the diseases go to the white pine or does the white pine go to the currents no the current spreads a disease to the white to the trees okay okay yeah all right yeah so you definitely would want to be careful then yeah Yeah, i didn't hear nothing about that all breeds they like they hybridized certain black currents so 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 either yeah so either they sent me hybridized ones or they it isn't an issue here in indiana i'm not sure which yep so it's just those things that you learn when you're. Yeah. Again, it's a constant ever learning process and I love it. But again, the nature of podcasting or videos or anything, right. yes. you might say something that isn't 100% everything you need, right. the information you need about something then, and you might learn later and you correct it or whatever. Well, and we're um, still learning. I mean, like today, you know, so much more about fruit trees and stuff than I do because we're, we're just getting started on a lot of this, a lot of the. Yeah. And then I could talk to a guy like Michael Phillips and he could teach me a thousand things, you know, I mean, that I don't know. So we're again, always learning. Oh, and I love to get the books and I love to read and I like to study, I like to watch YouTube videos on it. I love to listen to podcasts from people who know more than I do about certain things. And that's great. You know, and that's why I love this community and I love there's competition. That's something I love about this community, the homesteading community. There's like, there's not competition 
with other homesteading podcasts and video makers. We're all just like trying to share information and grow the best gardens right, and homesteads exactly. we can. Um, like you were just on a podcast. I'm going on that same podcast next week. I think that's, you know, I think that's really cool that right. we can do that and go on different podcasts. And we, I've had several podcasters on this podcast in the past. So I like to promote that, you know, cause we're all learning this together and, and we all have different gifts and skills that, you know, we're doing on our properties that are different. So we can learn from each other for sure. And, and spread oh, that, yeah. spread that knowledge. So good well, stuff. And you, just, you forget, like you could, the other thing too, is even if you do not you could have a four hour long podcast. I mean, Michael Phillips could come on this podcast and probably talk for four weeks about creating an yeah. orchard. And well, like you just said yeah. about those videos, there's a whole bunch of videos at three hours or whatever. I mean, people take, people actually take classes on this for weeks at a time and cover mm-hmm. these topics. We're just yeah. kind of, yeah, we, <laughs> we're we're sparking the interest, so you will yes. go further study and learn more about it, and and which is uh, why it, we put the links to. Both yeah, that's why I give links yeah. to things, and we say go learn more. You know, but but I you know I get inspired by listening and yeah. hearing things, and it makes me want to go. Oh, I want to do that on my property, so I'll go learn more about it, and then I'll implement it, and then it works out great, and then I get to talk about it or something, you know. And, and that's cool, and I like doing that, and and I I think a lot of homesteaders are the same way. They just they want to learn more about, it. they want to try it. I've learned more from just trial and error than anything yeah. like goji berries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I still love them. I mean, they, they, like I said, I still, they have a, they have a purpose. I just don't love where right, I put right. it. <laughs> so, yeah. And I have another book too, that I'll put in there. It's more for berries where I think Michael Phillips is more on orchards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He covers both in there a little bit, but yeah, he's definitely yeah. into trees. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's always as many, as much as you can learn as possible. And, you know, what's that book? You want to mention it? It's the (laughs) Backyard Berry book. It's geared more toward, um, especially when it comes to the almanac, where it gives you the annual almanac. It's geared more toward like New England area as far as the timing. But the other information in here is really good yeah i don't have that one that's definitely okay well that's the show notes for sure and yeah, so people can yeah. check that out as well yeah, like i said any, any i'm a big fan of books i'm a book guy so i love to put books on my shelf right. and have them there and some of them never get read again some of them get you know i go to them often so it's just you know and right. then most of them i give away unfortunately <laughs> right well and i mean the nice part is is like you can just run in and go, Oh, I got that in that book. And it'll tell me what I can't yep. remember what the, what the name of that was and what I need to do. And yeah. I, I like having them for reference. Yeah. And, and I'm a, yeah, I'm a big internet guy. I'll just Google stuff half the time, but it's, I don't know. I like books too. I love to hold a book in my hand. Right, so right. I, I got it a big kick there for a while buying eBooks. And so I have a whole bunch of eBooks on my Kindle. It's just not the same though. I love to hold a book in my hand. I love a real book. And for me, once it goes into the abyss of my phone or internet land, oftentimes I never revisit it again. Maybe it's because the era we grew up in, everything wasn't digital. I don't mind reading on a Kindle. I just never reread anything on a Kindle. I'll read it once. And then it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's spent (laughs) and I don't ever look at it again. But I will say my kids are in their twenties and they both, they all actually prefer regular books as well. Yeah. Yeah, There's something to be said with just. Yeah. I don't think they'll ever go away. Honestly, I don't. Smelling a book. Yeah. yeah. I have a whole bookshelf back there. That's just one of many. (laughs) I got a pile of them right here that I'm always looking at. And I got a bunch in my office and yeah, same way. Well, you have anything else you want to add or just that? Um, I, I will uh, send you that link at the YouTube on the, the Michael Phillips YouTube series that I found. Awesome. Well, I want to. I want to encourage people to join the Homestead Front Porch. I've been doing weekly lives in there, and I talked about quail earlier today. I had a little thirty-minute uh, video, a live video I did on raising quail last week. I don't even remember what I did. Something else. Uh, anyway, I can't even remember what I what I do each week now. But yeah, doing the lives in there and every week, and you're adding a lot of uh, videos in there. And we got a lot of people contributing to the uh, to the group, and yeah, be part of the Homestead Front Porch uh, Facebook group. It's it's a uh, it's a great group and I, it's only getting better every day. So be part of that. Um, and other than that, that's all I have. And uh, I think that's it. We have, you have that you are on Instagram. You have your Instagram page. Yeah. Everything's or, linked up on my yeah. on the website for me. Yeah, that's true. You just started an Instagram that we have linked yeah, up or you, or you, you 
kind of started doing it again, your Instagram. Yeah, I kind of yeah. got off and I've started adding things here and there again. Yep. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of great picture, pictures on your property. So you need to, you definitely, an Instagram is what you need to have because you're all time staff at some really great pictures of your little homestead there. Yeah, I have to. It's going to take effort to do that since I've got like three or 4,000 pictures on my phone. <laughs> I'd like to say you encourage me with all your uh, preserving and stuff, but I actually get discouraged because I'm always thinking, man, she does so much more than me. I wish I could do all that. Well, it's just Yeah. Yeah. Everything looks, everything looks perfect. No, it's like me. I don't, I'm not sharing any garden pictures right now because my garden looks so bad. Well, I, I, you know, like I said, one of the joys of, I said in the um, podcast you're going to be on, I said, one of the joys of having community is my cabbage was a complete failure this year. I got like three heads, but I have a friend that's a farmer and I've created a relationship with them. So I will just call him up and I will go buy cabbage from him. And that works. Yeah. You know, that's why you have the community. That's why you have the community. That's right. And like I said, we've talked about it before. You did a great little uh, walk around your garden video or working in the garden video the other day where you talked about uh urban homesteading and you were talking about like you know going to a farmer's market and just buying the stuff and preserving it yourself and things like that and you were just talking about how you could really homestead no matter your situation and i thought that was a really good little video you That's did what i did for years when we didn't have enough mm-hmm. space i just bought i found a few farmers that like yeah. you know had things here and there you yeah. oh you sell cabbage you sell green beans you sell peaches okay yep you can go home and and work on practicing preserving in different ways practicing preparing it in different ways and yeah. and it's a it's an aspect of homesteading are you a complete homestead that's up to you but you know it's it's an aspect of it for sure that you can be honing those skills yep. and and working towards it yep that's right that's right well that's all i have so i guess we'll let these fine folks that are listening to us uh, get on to the next thing they listen to and then yeah. so uh everyone happy homesteading and god bless what, Rachel? You're supposed to throw out your little thing there. What is it? What is it? Grow where you're planted.